So here we are at week three of Dangerous Prayers season three. And believe it or not, this is what we have been building up to. There's been actually a plan and a process to all of this. We started out in Psalm 19 and got our first two prayers from the last part of Psalm 19, where it says in verse 12, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. So the first thing that we talked about was the prayer, cleanse me. And that was all about those hidden faults, those things that we don't even realize that we are doing, the ways that we get off track when we don't even know it. And then the second part of that, beginning in the next verse, verse 13, was keep your servant from deliberate sins. Now, these are the things that we know what we're doing. We know we're getting off track. We are making a conscious decision to go against what God has for us. And so the prayer is keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. And then what will be the result? Then I will be free. I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sins. So that was our second prayer, free me. Now, if we can get a hold of and get control of those hidden sins and then avoid deliberate sins, then we can get to where we need to be for this next phase of this series. And to set that up, I want to look at a verse in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.21 says, if you keep yourself pure, what have we been talking about? When we say cleanse me and free me, we want to get off of the right track and get on the right track. We want to be free of those things that make give us guilty consciences and prevent us from being used. If you keep yourself pure, this is the Apostle Paul writing to his apprentice Timothy, his apprentice in the faith and in ministry, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Now, in order to understand that, you have to understand the context. He started out by talking about the kitchen. And he says, in the kitchen, you've got different kinds of utensils for different kinds of purposes. You have some fancy utensils that are used for serving your best guests. And then you have other things that you use to take out the trash and clean out the muck. That, that They have different purposes. And so he's uh, saying, if you will keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. In other words, if you're going to be at your best, if you're going to be used for the best purposes, you need to be at your best. And that's the idea of that purity. It makes me think about I told you guys over the summer, for those of you that were at the on lawn services that I have been cleaning up and cleaning through and sorting through my tools and my hardware and all that kind of thing. And this was really helpful to me because that area of our house and my life was such a mess that sometimes I would need a tool and I would go to look for it and I knew that I had it. 
but I just couldn't find it anywhere. And so as I sorted through this stuff, I was like, oh, yes, that's where that is. I was looking for that. I ended up with two of a couple of things because I needed a couple of things because I needed something. But when I went to look for it, I couldn't find it. It wasn't available. It was around, but it wasn't available. And so I would go to the store and buy a replacement. Thankfully, that didn't happen too often, but it did happen from time to time because what I needed wasn't available. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here to his son in the faith is that I want you to be available for the master's use. When he needs to pull a tool out to accomplish his purposes, I want you to be available, ready to go in the right condition so that you can be used for the master's purposes. And so that's what this has been leading up to, that we pray, cleanse me, because we want to get rid of all those things that are, that are making us unuseful and unusable that we don't even know about. We want to play, pray, free me, because we want to be free from those compulsions to do what is harmful and damaging and takes us out of the game so that we get to this stage in this dangerous prayer series where we are going to pray, send me, send me. Today, we're going to be talking about usefulness. And the bottom line is that your most important, important ability is availability. My most important ability is my availability. And so we pray, send me send me. Um, This prayer comes from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And we'll look at this passage in a little bit more depth at some other time, a little bit later. But here's where it comes from. It's Isaiah 6, 8. And Isaiah is in the temple. He has this vision uh, where he sees the Lord enthroned in the temple. And he said, and then it says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? In other words, I've got a message to send. I've got a purpose to accomplish. And I need somebody that's going to be the message carrier, someone who is going to be available to be used for my purposes. And so Isaiah says, I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Now, this is a dangerous prayer because what we're doing is we are making ourselves available to the master's purposes. And we're saying, whatever you have in mind for me, that's what I want to do. I'm available for your purposes, Lord. And this is a dangerous prayer because so often our prayers are so focused around what we want and what we are hoping for and our agenda and what we're doing is in essence laying all of that aside and saying, yeah, I have some desires. Yeah, I have some, some plans. Yes, I, there's some things that I'd like to see happen. But Lord, I understand that the nature of this relationship is that 
I'm my most important ability is my availability to you that I want your agenda to become my agenda. I want your purposes to become my purpose in life. And the author of the book that we have been talking about, Dangerous Prayers, Craig Rochelle, he talks about this in the concluding chapter. And I just want to read to you a section from that where he talks about what it means to just make yourself available to the Lord and why this is a different kind of prayer than the kind of prayer that we usually just naturally default to. If most of our prayers are for ourselves or what matters to us, then the content of our prayers communicates that we believe deep down that God exists primarily for us. Now answer this honestly. If God said yes to every prayer you prayed in the last seven days, how would the world be different? If your prayers were the normal, safe ones, prayers like you and I naturally pray, then maybe you would have had a good day, arrived safely, enjoyed a blessed double cheeseburger. Or if you ventured out into slightly bigger prayers, maybe you would have nailed a presentation at work or landed a new client, even though you weren't really prepared. Maybe you would have gotten that front row parking spot that you asked God for in the busy parking lot at the mall. If God had done everything over a week's period that I had asked him to, the world wouldn't have been much different at all. Honestly, some weeks I wouldn't have prayed for anything. Other weeks I might have prayed, but the prayers were all about me. And that doesn't change much in the grand scheme of things. My prayers were too safe. So that's the kind of prayer that we default to. Does God want to, to take care of you? Does he want to hear what's on your mind? Is it okay to pray for all of those things that we just, absolutely. You know, God cares about you so much that the very hairs on your head are numbered. He knows everything about you. He encourages us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. He tells us that we don't have to be anxious about anything, that we just take all of those things to him in prayer with thanksgiving and that then the peace of God, which transcends, it's, it's supernatural. It, it, all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I'm not trying to shame you for those prayers. I think that I pray those prayers. I'm going to continue to pray those kinds of prayers. But it's important to remember that that's not the only kind of prayer that there is. And that while we want things to go well, and he wants things to go well for us, I believe that at the same time, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger agenda that is at work here. And he wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be open to it. He wants us to be included in the family business of what he's doing, of redeeming and rescuing the world. And so he wants to include us in that and we need to be available for his purposes. And that's what this prayer, send me, is all about. Now, like I said, we'll look uh, in a little bit more depth at Isaiah chapter 6 at another time. There's so much good stuff in it. But today, I just want to set the table by looking at this passage. This is Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. It's a short passage, but in this passage, Jesus is laying out 
the prerequisites, the, the, the guiding rules and principles for what it means to follow him. And it's all about this. It's about our availability. Uh, so let's look at it together. This is again, Luke chapter nine, verses 23 to 25. I'll be reading from the new living translation. Again, short passage, but so much packed in here. Then he said to the crowd that he is Jesus. These are Jesus words. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look at your word and are reminded of how Jesus laid out the the conditions and what it means to follow him. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I know that you want to include us in a purposeful, meaningful uh, life, and that as we tie our purpose to your greater purposes, that that's the only way that that can happen. So help us to understand what your purposes are, and willingly sign up for and avail ourselves to your purposes. And may we have a heart that always is asking, what can we do? How can we make ourselves available? And a uh, attitude that is always saying to you, send me. Give us that kind of heart and attitude, we pray. Speak to our hearts as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in, in order to understand the context for what Jesus is saying here, I just want to look at, I, I won't read it. I'll just want to look, uh, point out to you what's happened right before this. One of the first things that happens right before this in Luke chapter nine is that Jesus has fed the 5,000. And so all of these people, all this crowd that he's speaking to has just gotten their primary, most important need met. So you would understand why they would want to follow him because he's their meal ticket. This guy's handing out free food in a time where that would have been even more uh, um, needful and more unusual than what we would experience today. So he's done this tremendous thing for them. And so there, there would just be a natural element of selfishness. Yeah, I'll follow Jesus. He's going to give me free food. So let's do that. And then the next scene is Jesus with his disciples asking who they think he is. And they come to the conclusion that he is, he's the Messiah. He's the promised one. He's the deliverer of Israel. Now, he needed to explain that a little bit more because they would have had a totally different wrong understanding of that. To them, that would have meant power and influence and victory over their enemies, freedom from oppression. Again, it would just naturally appeal to the selfish motivation. We'll get free food and we're going to be the ones that are in power. We're going to be the head, not the tail. We're going to be in charge. So then he predicts his death. He begins to explain to them, look, this isn't what you're expecting. This isn't just going to be all great things for you and all your needs being met and all your dreams coming true. 
I'm going to go to the cross. It's going to mean pain and suffering. And if you're going to follow me, then that's the path that sometimes this will take for you as well. So that's the context uh, of this teaching that Jesus is giving at this point. So he wants to make sure that as they go forward, they understand that it's not just going to be for their benefit, but they are going to have, they're going to be giving something as well. So their most important ability, our most important ability, my most important ability is our availability. So let's look at how this plays out in this passage. First off, this idea of send me, that I'm available to him, is the precondition to discipleship. Following Jesus, being a disciple, being his apprentice. Disciple has the root meaning of learner. I'm going to learn his ways. I'm going to follow his ways. If we're going to do that, then this whole idea of being available send me, here I am, send me, is a precondition to discipleship. That's what he starts out with. He wants to make sure that they understand what they're signing up for. He says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, if, you know, this isn't required, you don't have to do this, but if you are going to sign up with me, I want you to understand what you're signing up for. You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. You give up, take up, and follow me. So what's he saying here? He's saying, you have, you, you have an agenda for your life. You have to give up your own way. In other words, you're going to set aside your agenda for my agenda. You're going to take up your cross daily. Now, we talk about the cross very figuratively now. For them, they would have understood that as the literal instrument of torture and execution. He's saying... You are going to lay down your life. You're making your life available to me. And that sometimes means suffering and pain and difficulty along the way. But if you're going to follow me, you're going to go in my path. And this is the path that I'm going to take. So he wanted them to understand that this wasn't about uh, just using God to accomplish your design and desire. This is about setting aside your design and desires for your life and, and replacing them with the bigger purpose of following him. So that's the precondition. Now, I don't know how the gospel was originally presented to you, but you need to understand that you're going to be following, if you're going to be following Jesus, that means you're going to have to set aside selfish ambitions and follow him. Now, the nice thing about this is, and this is, this is really key. The reason that that sounds scary to us is because we don't know and trust God the way that we can or should. Because if you really, um, if you really know that somebody has your best interests at heart, they're never going to do anything that would harm you or, or be against your best interests. They want what's best for you. And they're always working for that. Then it's easy to say, yeah, I'll do what you want. It's only if you doubt that or don't know that, that there's a little bit of trepidation. We, uh, we, we sometimes sing, sing a song that uh, one of the words is uh, just have your own way or do what you want to do. Well, what are we saying when that, uh, to entrust that kind of power to somebody? Just do with me whatever you want. Have your way in my life. What are we saying? I trust you completely. I know you 
so I know that you have my best interests at heart. And that's, that's what we know because we know that Jesus went to the cross. He gave his own life, laid down his own life for us, saying that there's no greater love than to do something like that for your friend. He's called his friends. He has his, our best interests at heart. But, but let's just be clear that that is what it means. It means prerequisite for following Jesus. You are turning your life over to him. So, Bottom line, your most important ability is your availability. And then the second thing that Jesus teaches in this section is that send me this availability is the only productive approach to discipleship. Look at what he says. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. See, the reason that we try to control things, the reason that we pursue our own objectives and our own purposes is because we want to, we want to gain, we want to hang on to things. And he says, if you take that kind of approach, it's ultimately not productive. You will end up losing your life. But counterintuitively, if you give up your life, if you surrender your life for my sake, to my purposes, to follow me, Jesus says, then that's when you save it. That's when you actually gain the most. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. This is counterintuitive, but this is often the way that things really work. The author uh, of Proverbs 16:25 put it this way: "There is a path before each person that seems right. You know, there's there's a path. There's something I want. I figured out a path to get to it. Seems right to me, but in the end, it ends in death. It, it just isn't going to get you where you want to." go. So this whole idea of send me being available for God's purposes is the only productive approach to discipleship. Again, your most important ability is your availability in and also send me is the only path to the positive outcome that you want to the positive outcome that you want. This is in the last verse in this section where it says, and what do you benefit What's the positive outcome? What's the, what's the benefit? If you gain the whole world, you accomplish all of your purposes, you pursue all of those successes and comforts and experiences that you wanted in life, and you, you did it, you, you accomplished those things. If you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? And what is he saying here? It's, it's really the end of the game that really matters, right? It's the score at the end of the game. It doesn't matter what the score is at the end of the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, end score, end game. That's what really matters. And we know this. I mean, uh, we, we, we may have experienced some ups and downs in a relationship, in a job, in our life as a whole, but all's well that ends well. It's the end result that really matters. And what Jesus is saying here is that if you pursue a selfish approach to life, and even if you're successful in accomplishing all of those things, that that's not the end of the story. The end of the story hasn't been written yet until you stand before God, until you give an account for your life and your eternal destiny. That's what really matters. So, so he says, you know, if you join in my purposes, if you follow me, then I can guarantee a good outcome. The end result is going to be good. 
but even if you gained everything else, what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? And so that's why every week I'm going to encourage you to surrender your life to Christ, to commit your life to Jesus, because Jesus has your best interests at heart. He proved that by laying down his life, going to the cross to suffer and die for your sins so that you might have life, forgiveness, freedom from guilt, be able to be pure and to be joined to his family, citizens in his kingdom and on purpose, on mission for his purposes and his mission in the world. And what, what does he want for you? What is his mission? He wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to be included in the forgiven and in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to encourage you to say yes. When you pray, send me. What you're doing is you're saying yes to his agenda. What is his agenda? Your forgiveness and his purposes accomplished in your life. We say yes to his forgiveness. We say, I want Jesus, what you did on the cross to count for me. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to have a clear slate, a clean slate before you. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, his willing sacrifice of himself for our sins, that becomes possible. So you're saying yes to him as your savior and to his forgiveness, but you're also saying yes to his lordship. We're saying, Jesus, we recognize that you're the boss. You get to call the shots and following you means that I'm going to lay aside my own agenda, my own purposes, my own hopes and dreams for greater dreams, for a greater purpose in following you. So if you haven't already done that, I would encourage you, say yes to Jesus. Let us know about it. Click the button, text yes to our church number, 603-225-2550. That way we can celebrate your decision and also resource you for your new life in Christ. So we're going to be continuing to talk about this, but the most important ability that you have is your availability. So my challenge to you is this, let's pray, send me. Let's understand that this is this is what discipleship means, is, is turning our lives over to the Lord. It's the most effective way and productive way of discipleship. And it, it, we, we think that pursuing our own path and our own uh, our own priorities is going to give us fulfillment and it's going to be successful, but it's just not the case. It's only when we lay down all of that and surrender our lives and make ourselves available to the Lord that we find true fulfillment, true purpose in accomplishing his mission. So if you will pray, pray that dangerous prayer of not, oh, you know, I want this for me and bless me and do this for me and all of that, set that aside and say, Lord, I want to be useful to you. I, I'm, I'm tired of trying to use you to accomplish my purposes. I want to be useful to you. He will give you a greater purpose, greater effectiveness, and a greater life. I truly believe that. 
So pray this prayer, send me. If that's you and you're willing to do that, whatever format you're watching or listening, click the heart, give a thumbs up, text a, uh, a text version of a heart to our church number. Just let us know. I'm in, count me in. I'm going to pray this prayer this week and let's just see what God will do. Imagine if over the past year that as people approached the different challenges and difficulties and frustrations that they had faced, if they had committed, I, I, I'm not going to complain or argue. I'm just going to say, God, I believe you have a purpose in this. I believe you want to use this for your glory and for my benefit, for my good. So I'm just going to make myself available to you. Use me for your purposes. Accomplish what you want to accomplish in the midst of this trial, tribulation, difficulty, frustration. I'm yours and I want to be used for your purposes. Send me. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine what the future could look like if even just the people who are listening and watching this just made themselves available, wrote a blank check to the Lord. Lord, I know your way is better. I know it's going to be more fulfilling. I know it's going to be more exciting. I know it's going to be more productive. Lord, send me. Imagine what the next few weeks, months, years might look like. That's what I hope for myself, for you, for everybody that's listening and watching. So let's pray to that end. And with the amen, we'll talk it over. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, I thank you that we can trust you wholeheartedly, that there's no, no need for fear when we turn our lives over to you. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us the courage to move off of selfish prayers and into selfless prayers to move off of trying to use you to accomplish our purposes and instead have a focus on being useful for your purposes. Give us that courage. Give us that gift of faith, of trust in you, and help us to take that step of being available to you, to pray, send me. I thank you for this. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen.